Good morning to everybody wherever you are. Good morning to you. Beautiful day. The Lord is good to us. I'm going to have you open your Bibles again this morning. We're going to revisit chapter 6 of the book of John. For if you weren't here, we did move on in the Sunday school hour to the 7th of Mark. Is that an actual outdoor did do that. John of work? But, uh, be back oh. there next week in Mark 7 and 8. I thought that's where you were going. Today I want to bring a message that's very, actually the most difficult of the messages I've ever brought. It's something that I can tell you about, that I can show you in Scripture, but I cannot teach it to you. It is this idea with Christ, this intimate union with Christ, the intimacy that He has offered to us, 
He's, he's uh, made the way of it. He's given us the tools. He's talked to us. He's shown us how. And it's an individual, it's an individual decision. And uh, I say at the beginning of what I'm going to tell you this morning, as I understand it, what I believe is most people have chosen not to. Most people have chosen not to really have this intimacy with the Christ. He offers it. He talks about it. He explains it. He tells us what it looks like, smells like, tastes like. He says he longs for us to have it. He prays the Father to give it to us. And yet, the earmarks of not having the intimacy with Christ are all through the people I know and through the church. Where do you run? Where do you go? Where do we go when it, it looks dark? Where do you run? Is he your first course or your last resort? Are you, are you of the thinking that you can handle it? The Lord never meant us to handle it, by the way. And it doesn't make you a better, stronger man, woman, boy, or girl to handle things outside of Christ. It doesn't make you, it doesn't make you in any sense, a better person. And yet so many people think it's a weakness to run to Jesus. No, it's not a weakness at all. The predictions and the teachings of the Word of God through the Scriptures. Christ in Matthew 24, very clear of the days to come. Peter and Paul, in particular, seem to be chosen to have penned out for us through the auspices of the Holy Spirit what the days were going to turn into and how it would look and what to expect. And you go through the Gospels with Jesus, with Jesus. You go through the Gospels, and, and he often says to his own disciples, didn't I tell you that? Did I not tell you? Did I not tell you that was going to happen? And, folks, we can look at the disciples and wonder why they never got a hold of the fact he was going to die. And it was necessary for him to die that we might live. We can look at them and, and we can wonder why and scratch our head. But they were living it in real time, day by day, watching that. And we have had years. They never had these cute little Christmas plays that we've enjoyed so much here. They never had what we call an Easter service, Passover. Very different in their world. They were being threatened every day for what they were believing and who they were following. As that ramps up in our world, we're going to see some variations in people we already have. Interesting how reactions are. And don't start thinking that you won't react or you'll react a certain way. You'd be surprised when it comes to a certain point. It's hard. I want to talk to you this morning about our hiding place as Christians. Our hiding place. Where do you go to hide? I counsel people on a fairly regular basis who go to external sources, all kinds of things. There are things you can put in your body that will make you feel more at ease temporarily. There are places to go and things to read and look at to reassure yourself that it's all going to be okay. I was home some years ago with pneumonia. I had never been that sick in my life, and 
one of those deals that you hear about where you're afraid you're going to die then afraid you're not going to. <laughs> and then later you get up and have food. I was sick. And I thought, ignorantly believed for a moment at least, that if I turned television on, it would help pass the time. One commercial after another, and this was 12 years ago, of things to take to stabilize your life. Things you can take. One commercial after another, take these, take these, take this, and it will calm it down. It will take the edge off. It will make you better. I couldn't believe it. I, I laid there for three days. I turned on every now and then just to see if I was hallucinating or what, and it was true. That's what was going on. You know, Christ came to his children and said, I bring you the abundant life. I mean, the highs are high and the lows are low. I mean, the highs are unbelievably high and the lows are despair. But I come to bring you the abundant life. He didn't come to bring us a little squiggle line for a life. He said, I want my children to be effective. I want you to experience life as it's lived. And so I come this morning. We looked at last week at chapter 6 of John. We're going to look at that again. We're going, to, we're going to be there and look at some things in John, chapter 6. And the Lord said some things that are hard to understand even in the church age today. But for those around him, it says many turned away, turned around and walked away and wouldn't follow him anymore. And he asked his disciples, will you go away too? Well, the thing he had been talking about was this. I am the bread of life. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood or you cannot be part of me. Wild statement. It's a wild statement. But before that, we, I want to just say this. Back in the book of Isaiah, the, the prophet Isaiah, long before Christ came to this earth, asked this question, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor, the question would be in total, why do you spend your labor for that which satisfieth not? That's Isaiah 55 in verse 2. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? Fast forward. Christ's ministry recorded in John chapter 6. The only place I am the bread of life discourse is penned. The only one of the four disciples that penned this through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is gospel. It is scriptural. It is from the Holy Spirit. But he elected John. He gave John these words. Jesus had just miraculously fed 5,000 men plus women and children with two loaves of barley bread. With five loaves of barley bread and two small fishes. Yummy. But as they broke the bread, those in the crowd, and passed it to the next person, it never ran out. They were part of the miracle. Their hands became part of the miracle. Folks, I think that means so much. I don't repeat myself because I'm old. Yet. I repeat myself because I want you to hear it again. They broke the bread. Jesus broke the bread, blessed it, gave thanks for it, recorded in every, every time it's written down, he gave thanks, recorded. 
recorded thankfulness. He broke the bread, handed it to the first one in the group. They sat down in companies of 50 and hundreds, and he gave it to the first one. The disciples gave a chunk of bread to the first one. He broke his and passed it, and his wife took some and gave it to the children and on through the other families, and it never, ever depleted. That's physical bread with the Lord's blessing. What happens in your hands with the bread of life, the bread from heaven? Oh. I can give you, I can give to you from what he's given to me. I can give to you, I can give to all of you. I can give to everyone I meet, and it will never, ever deplete in supply. Do we give it? Do we give it like that, the bread of life? And so today, I want to talk to you about this intimacy with Christ that he so, so wants us to have. And I see evidence of it in so few lives. The evidence of what I'm talking about is this, a peaceful life, a grateful life, a life who understands it's not about me. Oh, it's just not about me. Once I came to Christ and said, Lord, will you save me? He said, I will. Because I meant that. I meant it as much as a 10-year-old boy with the limited understanding I have didn't know what a virgin was. Still questionable. I came to him in my ignorance with limited knowledge, and I asked him, from my heart, will you save me today? He said, I sure will. Because I meant it. I still mean it. So does he. But he's told me this along the way after he saved me. Now I want you to serve me. And you know how you serve me? You serve my creation. You serve my family. And you serve those that are in my family. You serve everybody. Amazing how many Christians think we're not called to serve a hateful world. We're called to serve a church only. People who believe just like you and me, look like us, smell like us. They, that's who we're called to serve, to love. That's not what the Bible says at all. That's not what Jesus did at all. He died that whosoever will may come. Whosoever will. You believe that, don't you? Well, sure you do. Sure we do. He died. He said, now any man, any man who comes to me, I want to know why he's cast out. I won't cast you out. If you come to me, I won't cast you out. Now, he does, he does know who's, who's coming with a humble, honest heart and who's playing the role. That's his business, not mine, and I'm glad about that. Not God, and I'm not deputy God, but he is all of that. He's wonderful. And so that's, that's my introduction to you this way. Where do you go? Where do I go when we need to go find a hiding place? And do you think less of me to be a full-grown man? Children, a wife, grandchildren, business, and I often run to him for shelter. You think less of me for that? Help self. I'm not going to change my, my views. I'm telling you this. To look at someone who's fearful, 
who has to be the one, who has to be right. It's about them. It's about what they have and how, who they are and how smart they are and how, how productive they are and on and on and on. They're not, they're not in the circle. They're not yet in the circle of what I'm talking about. Just grateful to serve. Just grateful to serve. Those are the insecurities and the fears that come from lack of intimacy with the Lord. Those are the things that come with the teaching of the flesh and the world and the devil. If you're not this, if you don't drive this, if you're not that, if you're not seen as this, if this is not your reputation, if you don't feel this way, if, that's all the world. That's got nothing to do with Christ. So we're going to look at the passages today that were a little tough last week, and I hope by the end of this you'll at least know what I'm talking about. That's my simple goal this morning. I can't teach you this. I know that. I know that. But I can tell you what it says. Jesus said in 6 and 48, I am the bread of life. In chapter 6 of John and verse 55, For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And that's tough. That's tough. Now listen, I did some research this week, and you're welcome. I opened some books. 1889 was the copyright on this book. It wasn't teaching about this, but it was teaching what I wanted to find out. It said bread is a dead thing. Physical bread is a dead thing in and of itself. Bread is a dead thing. Now listen how, listen how in 1889... Even the scientists or those who were teaching these truths very much linked with scriptural understanding. This man's name was a name from 1889. I don't even know how to say his name. But he said this. Bread is a dead thing in and of itself. The life it supports, it did not originate I just want you to think about that. The life, the bread, if you go home today and have a sandwich, we, man does not live, Jesus said, by bread alone, speaking of physical bread. But when they were hungry, he gave them bread. Bread itself is dead. The life it supports, it did not originate. Now, this book said this. Listen to this. This is wonderful. Secret and wonderful, the process which invigorates and revitalizes our bodies. It is a secret known only to God. Now doctors can come in and I guess chemists or whoever and say, you eat bread, this is what happens to the bread between your, your teeth and your tongue and the outgo. This is what happens to the bread. It, but this man said, secret and wonderful the process which invigorates and revitalizes our bodies. Is that not so? God who made us said, eat some bread. It'll give you some energy. The assimilation and the appropriation of life stuff, this man says, is God's work known to him alone. And we can guess. That's from the book. The Bible says this. The bread from heaven brings with it the life that it afterwards sustains. Regular bread Regular bread does not give life. It, it promotes it. It supports it. The bread of heaven brings with it 
the life that it afterwards sustains. That's the whole difference that Jesus is teaching that people don't seem to get a hold of very well. And I got to say this, the church itself today doesn't assimilate it very well either. More secret, more wonderful the process by which the fullness of life comes through this bread from heaven. Strength and peace and holiness, as you read this passage, the Lord says, comes from the proper assimilation of the bread from heaven, the bread of life, Jesus himself. And so these all lie uh, treasured up in the living Savior, the Bible says. And, and by the way, the Lord says all of these things are ready immediately to be appropriated. Whosoever will. Whosoever will. I'm, teach, I'm teaching you this, or trying to explain this to you, because the world is in a state of flux. There are changes, in my estimation, even now being planned against status quo. And part of the status quo that the change is against is what we're doing right here this morning, meeting in church, having worship together. Folks, if we don't understand that he is our hiding place. He's our shelter, protector, buckler, shield, our spear, our sword. If we don't understand that it's him, there's going to be some pain that's unnecessary. My estimation, this is from me. The world leaders, and I saw them with my own eyes and listened with my ears, world leaders in conference some years ago, and we are now in the midst of the plan, for a global reset. That's, that's, that, that is their wording, global reset. Didn't understand when they put things together some years ago that we would prosper through these times and they're not happy with us having what we have. The social security system was never meant to be used as it's being used today. The average lifespan when they set that up was 63 years. And they said, when you're 65, we'll take care of you. So we went ahead and got 65. They don't like that. Taking 23% of the income sounded really good back then, but now it's not enough to do what they want to do and take care of us. Anyway, do your homework, do what you believe. But I'm just saying this, in the days to come, whatever happens, the prediction of the Lord was, Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. And if you can't see it, we're not watching the same things. Jesus said, but there's a respite. There's a repose. There is a shelter and a hiding place to come. And I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Hmm. Ready to be appropriated, this bread from heaven. Whosoever will may come is the offer. Now listen, this bread from heaven, when it's assimilated properly, just like the bread we put in our mouth, and that's why, the, that's why he, he brought that, that illustration. When, it, when the bread from heaven is assimilated properly, by its uh, presence and by its power, it transmutes uh, the earthly to the heavenly. It transmutes the carnal to the spiritual and it changes everything. 
Now, now I want to give you something I was, we've all seen this happen. And we see it every day, by the way. We see this every day in the most intimate human relationships. In the most intimate of human relationships, there runs a, a clear and distinctive dividing line between the spirits of these people. I brought up in a big family, whatever your family life is, some of you brought up that way, some of you are bringing your children up that way, but every father and mother know every child is different. Every child is different. They may all look alike, but I'm telling you, their hearts and their minds and their souls are very different. We're created by God different. And so there's a dividing line, and so uh, <clears throat> under the same roof, doing the same things, uh, in the same family circle and the influence and the conversations and the daily life that goes on through all of that being that much together there is a dividing line between the spirits of every person in that family do you believe that? I do and, the, and this division runs by the way and no one else can enter into that ground nor can they follow them in there that's between you and God. That's a, that's a God-given truth. How many of you have siblings that you think, well, we, how can we see it so different? Uh, how can we do that? Ate the same soup. Heard the same threats <laughs> at, at the dinner table. And, uh, you know, I don't have to go to one more family gathering. I've heard all the stories, and I've told most of them, and they're different than they started out anyway, so I don't have to go anymore. We all grew up in the same house. But I'm telling you, there's a dividing line between each individual person of the spirits. Different spirits, same genetic background. Take that across the whole world. It's not amazing we're divided. It's amazing we can agree on anything, in my estimation, isn't it? I think people drive the other way on the highway if they didn't get killed. There has to be a severe penalty before they'll follow the rules. Some, sometimes me. And so in the most intimate of human relationships, there is this dividing line, and it divides spirits. And the division runs... And even in my own siblings, I can't enter into that realm, neither can I follow them there. Now listen to what Jesus says. This is in John 6 and verse 56. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I am him. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, dwelleth, liveth, have as our abode, our living quarters, set up, set up housekeeping is what it means, in me and I in them. And what does that mean? What does that mean? Folks, here we have it. This is where Jesus opens himself. He opens himself up to us as our dwelling place. He's our hiding place. He's our secret place. And I don't, think, I don't think many people, honestly, put much time or thought into this idea. It's the most glorious of his provisions while we're here. To me. 
our dwelling place, the dwelling place of our spirit is to be in total union and under his guide and protection. And he says, come to me. You come here to me. I love you. And oh, I know, you know, I've seen grandmas, mothers and grandmas, and uh, maybe a few men, but I've seen mothers and grandmas rock and hold a baby who's crying and say, I know, I know, oh, I know. I don't even remember that in my life. But that's what the Lord does for me now. He says, I know. Oh. Morning by morning and day by day to open his word and say, Lord, bless me with your presence. I don't know what this means to you. I have no idea what it means to you because I thought I used to know and I've talked to enough people and watched enough lives. I don't know what it means to you, but I know what it means to me. And it's a glorious thing to spend time in the presence of the Lord. Do you know that? Do you know the presence of the Lord? Because it, it, it's so different from anything else on this planet. You can't miss it. It isn't it's a good day. It's not a hot meal. It's not a good cup of coffee. It's not anything this world offers. But the presence of the Lord, it changes everything. This week alone, I heard three people tell me in my office, I see very little hope. I see very little hope. Folks, if you're in Christ, you have nothing but hope. Because he is our hope. You believe that? Come on now. If you're in Christ this morning, if you're saved, if you're born again, if you're part of his family, you have nothing but hope. Amen. Huh? That's right. That's right. But we look like somebody just gave us a pickle. Somebody just stuck grandma's bad recipe for a dill pickle in our mouth, and we're trying to get that taste out of our mouth. Right now, the world should be looking at you going, why aren't you affected by this? What are you grinning about? What makes you walk around whistling happy? What's the deal? I've had several men in my life tell me, they were in the military and they were in action. And they heard their name called. You're going home. Come out of the ditch. Report back to you. You got three days. You're going home. One of these days we're going to hear our name. According to Revelation chapter 4, we're going to hear this. Your name, my name, come up here. If the Lord tarries. Your name and my name. Don, yep. I may be on a deathbed with a ventilator stuffed down my throat, and you have no idea there's life in there, but I'll hear the Lord say this, Don, you come home now. You come on home. And you know what? I'll know that voice because he speaks to me in my daily Bible studies. When I ask him a question in different ways and different times, he answers me. But I know his voice. Do you know his voice? People tell me I'm preaching crazy to say you can know the voice of the Lord. But the Lord said himself, my sheep, they hear my voice and they know me. The voice of a stranger they'll not follow. 
and I hear and I see people profession to be Christians and they follow a strange voice. I can tell you it's strange because the things that it's saying are not in the scriptures. Matter of fact, they're uncontrary to the scriptures. And the Bible says no, but they're saying, God told me to do this now. And I believe them on this ground. Their God said it. Our God, the God, did not say that. He never lies about him, his truth and his doctrine, his teaching, his reason, his purpose. He never lies about that. If the Lord's telling you to cheat on your taxes, you better listen again. Huh? If the Lord says, if you don't just put on line 27, that one number, you're going to be a lot better off. Here's what I found out about the Lord. You can cheat if you want to, but if you're his, he'll, he'll take it from you. It'll cost you somewhere. Your brand new car break down the way home from the accountant's office thinking you're so smug. And it will cost somewhere in the neighborhood of what you thought you just saved by cheating. You think that doesn't work that way? <laughs> oh, it's fun talking to you folks. And so he opens up himself. Asking this morning, do you know this? Do you really know it? He says, I'm your hiding place. Come to me. Come to me. The world has run to Oprah and Dr. Laura and Dr. Phil. They run to the magazine counters and the bookshelves. The world runs to the liquor store. The world runs to the cigarette department. Oh, I got to put myself in here with you. It runs to the chip and cheese aisle. I'm going to feel better. <laughs> but in my life I'm going to tell you something the Lord says come to me you come here to me he calls us in and he protects us there and more than that listen now more than that more than that he brings us invitation Revelation 3 and 20 you know it as well as I do behold I stand at the door and knock the Lord says at the, end, at the end of the second and third chapters of Revelation, they are the seven churches. They are the great guards to the church. They are the reports that Christ makes. He says, I know about you. I know your works. I know what you think. I know what you've done. I know why you did it. And I have a little bit of counsel for you. First, he says, if there's a way to say it and there's a truth in it, he says this, I commend you for what you're doing in this area. But always he says this. I'd tell you to do this a little different. I would counsel you to do this thing. I would counsel you to do that thing. I would counsel you to stop doing some things. But it's the grade card to the seven churches. And I believe also it covers all the churches of all time. We're all in there. But at the end of that, at the end of the seven church grading period... He says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, oh, the big old if is in there. If any man will hear my voice 
and open the door. I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. Call fellowship. I have been a long time since I've been invited to someone's house. They didn't bring food into this conversation. It's what we do, isn't it? You want to come and look at each other for three hours? <laughs> no, I want you to come for dinner. I'll look at you over my fork and knuckles. I want to look at you, but uh, people don't just say, you want to come and sit around for three hours with me? Huh? They don't say that. Not here. Fellowship is I want you to enjoy. I want to share what I have with you. I want you to have some of what I have. And uh, I think we make this recipe pretty good, so we're going to share that with you. And uh, I want to spend some time with you. You know what the Lord says? If any man will. Now those words just in a row. If any man will. Uh, hear my voice. You won't fight me this morning. I have many people tell me this. I can't hear his voice. He's, he don't talk to me. It's, I don't know his voice. I believe you. I believe every one of you telling me that. I can tell by your anxious, nervous, it didn't work out as I thought it would lifestyle. No one's life works out how they think it will. A lot of people lie about it, but other people, here's the truth of a Christian. Man, I'm glad my life didn't work out how I thought it would. I had no idea the blessings the Lord had in store for me when I was a boy. I'm so glad it didn't work out like I thought. I believe for some reason it was going to be hard five days a week. Hard, hard, hard. Live for the weekend. Oh, just wait for Friday night. If you wait for Friday night because you hate the five days and you have five-sevenths of your week as miserable, I guarantee you Sunday afternoon comes at warp speed. You can't believe where the weekend goes if you hate your job. But if you love your life, if you love your life, and you see yourself in the presence of the Lord as he sees you, and he says, you're my servant, wherever you go today, go you into the world, wherever you go, show them who I am. Was it Francis of Assisi who said that? The job of a Christian is to show the world the beauty and the love of Christ, and if necessary, use words. Huh? Here's what I've learned about something. Humor, your humor, tells me a whole lot about your spirit. And a lack of humor tells me more than you'll ever know. I have to assume you don't feel good. <laughs> Digestion is not a good process for you. And you're having too much roughage or something. I don't know what, I'll tell you this. Laughter and humor. By all accounts, people secular and in the ministry is a sign of a good emotional health. And there are homes, they tell me, where we don't even smile, let alone laugh. Dude, do you have a mirror? I mean, come on. <laughs> you don't smile at home? No laughter at your home? My laughter is so good. Laugh at some things. Laugh at wholesome things, but laugh. This world's pretty funny. People are hilarious and don't even know it. <laughs> when you ask someone, they're talking to you, you say, would you repeat that one more time? I want to get that down so I can say it to myself tonight. What are you talking about? 
Behold, the Lord said. Look. Open your eyes and behold. Look. I stand at the door of your heart. I'm not going to kick the door in. I'm not going to beat on it. Will you answer the door? Call in your name. If you'll hear my voice, Don. Do you remember that day? Do you remember when he called your name? Well, the next one is John 14 and 23 when Jesus said, He answered and said to them, If a man love me, if a man love me, he'll keep my words. And my Father will love him, and he will come unto him, and, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. Jesus said, If you answer the door, I'll come in and sup with you. And he said, if a man love me, John 14 and 23, if a man, if a man love me, he will keep my words. You want to be an unpopular preacher or friend? Tell people you're not keeping his words. You don't love him. Oh, I know that what I'm doing is wrong, you know. But uh, he knows I have weaknesses. He says, that's not a weakness. You just simply don't love me. Now, that'll lose you some friends. But it's what the Bible says. If a man loves me, he'll keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He'll come and just live with you. Now, still higher, and we're just about done. Still higher, one more higher level. The conception of the intimacy that Christ offers and desires between himself and his own. This level. John 6, 57, it says, As the living Father has sent me, I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. The appropriation of Christ, do you, do you take him in? Do you allow him to be the Lord of your life, to govern you? Does he make the rules? Do we live by those rules? Are we happy to do it? Are we grateful that he's put those plans there? Or do we live a life of uh, showing who we are. Living alone. Don't need him that much. These people, and I know them, they're not satisfied. They're not, the people who live this way are not satisfied. Even, even if they get the things they always wanted, there's a lack of satisfaction there. Please believe this. Please understand what the Lord is calling us to. All the things I've ever wanted I now have, but it's still not not what I thought it would be. Why? Because it's the thing without the blessing added to it. Of all the imagery of, of union in the Bible, number one was the, in my mind, number one is the vine and the branches. If you separate the branch from the vine, it'll wither and die. Has to have that vital union of being hooked into the trunk for the sap flow to produce fruit and live. Of the, uh, Paul talks about in Corinthians, of the members of the body and the head. The members in the head. The head tells the arm, pick that up. The head tells the foot, take a step. The vital union of the head with the members, that's a picture 
of the imagery of this union. And then, of course, the, the building uh, and the foundation stone. The, the foundation must be proper or the building will fall. But nowhere, in my, this is my estimation, but nowhere in the Bible does our Lord surpass his teaching of our need and the privilege of, uh, of entering in to this vital union, very vital, of this intimacy that he talks about as with him as with his father, as with his father, as like with my father, I call you into a union. And we're just about done. I know this is, uh, can, can be tedious, but listen carefully to the next three or four verses and we'll be done. In John 17 and 21, in this high priestly prayer that we read, it says that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. This is the union that Christ wants with us. And I know this. This can be taught. It's in the Bible. Most Christians are simply not going to do it. It's not going to happen. But I'm telling you, if there's one here in this crowd this morning who will pick this up, I'll be thrilled. If one of us picks this up in the hearing of this this morning, I will be thrilled. This union of just with Christ... Verse 17, chapter 17 and verse 23, I in them and thou in me. This is John 17 and 23. I in them and thou in me that they may be perfect in one. Back to John 6 and 51, he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man will eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And we think that would be such strange teaching. But we end with this one. We think that to be strange teaching, but we end with this one that we do here. Not so much lately because of the weirdness of the world, but this is what we do regularly here. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Not so strange now. The Lord said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot be mine. And his disciples, they we call the Passover. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, recorded in Matthew 26, verse 26. And he said, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take. Number one, will you take it? eat it. Will you assimilate it? This is my body. One of them says, which was broken for you. And so the Bible and the words of Christ himself, he speaks of spiritual life. Listen very carefully and we're done. This is the last sentence in my studies. He speaks of a spiritual life owing its origin, its commencement, and continuance to such coming, such believing, such eating. My prayer is, Lord, give us understanding. He offers so much, and we take so little.
get the bread broken and get the physical bread broken in the hands of every man, every woman, every child multiplied. What of the bread from heaven that we're to take? What if we do that with our heavenly bread, the bread of heaven, the body of Christ? What if we in this world of starving people, tired people, scared people, ignorant people, what if we, we can break off the biggest piece and keep a scrap because we can't give it all away. And the Lord will multiply that and multiply that and now they have the bread. And if they multiply that, Lord, give us understanding. Father, we thank you for this hour. We ask your blessing. We ask understanding. We ask your teaching. We know these truths, as the scriptures say, are hard to understand. But may we believe and know and properly appropriate the truths that your spirit in us teaching us, protecting us, guiding us, giving us understanding that this is such a temporary life. What we put together here and assimilate, all that we put together and have, and the things that we think we have to, have to, have to, the accumulation of more and more is simply a waste of time. It doesn't bring joy. It doesn't bring happiness or satisfaction or fulfillment. But doing your will does. And Jesus said very clearly, if a man loves me, he will keep my words. Lord, give us strength and courage to keep your words. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.